Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent, who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you and good night. I love you. Because this is a wild ride. Nothing but unfiltered talk and the hardcore truth. 
Mega, mega, mega. tuning into the Rory Sodder Show. I'm Rory Sodder. I hope you all had a fantastic weekend. Uh, it's been quite the weekend in the media. So much has happened, so much to address, so much to establish. Uh, we will definitely be getting into a lot of different topics tonight, which I'm very excited for. Uh, first and foremost, I'd like to thank my audience, my sponsors, my guests, and my co-hosts. You guys are absolutely incredible. Uh, don't forget, we are listened to on over 60 online platforms and listened to in 22 different countries. So it just keeps getting better and better, folks. And also, uh, if you miss any past clips, past uh, interviews or episodes or need 24-7 breaking news coverage, please visit our new media site, thenextgenusa.com. I I want to start off uh, by really saying congratulations to Tiger Woods. This guy is incredible, you know, just absolutely amazing, you know, just his comeback and everything he overcame, all his struggles, and he's he's back to being a true champion, and the way he does it at his age, and he he makes it, I tell you, this guy makes it look easy. This guy is the definition of greatness. Uh, I want to play a quick clip from over the weekend because, you know, him winning the Masters was a huge deal. Uh, this was this will go down in the record books. Uh, definitely one of the most uh, historic and iconic moments in uh, in sports history, no doubt about it. Uh, let's play this clip though. One, three, and then I'll introduce my co-host. After an 11-year dry spell, Tiger Woods reminding fans of his glory days, his final round 70, clinching his fifth. Fifth green jacket, fifth green jacket, and first major win since the 2008 U.S. Open. Brian Yenes has more about this very exciting news from our New York City newsroom. Brian Yenes, all I have to say is Tiger, woo! (laughs) (laughs) A win for the ages, Arcel. It had been 11 years, like you said, since Tiger Woods had won a major championship. And through it all, Tiger battled through very public marital issues and painful back and leg injuries. But now the comeback is complete. 
Tiger Woods winning his fifth Masters Championship. The crowd chanting Tiger, Tiger, Tiger. It's Tiger Woods' first major championship since his U.S. Open win in 2008, but perhaps the most emotional moment was seeing Tiger hug his mother, daughter Sam, and son Charlie. It reminded everyone of a special moment 22 years ago when Tiger won his first Masters Championship in 1997. Then Tiger hugged his father, who was suffering from heart complications at the time and who has since passed. But today, a similar photo, this time of Tiger hugging his son. It was unreal to experience this, is what he had said uh, with, his, with his mother and with his family. Now, like I said, this is Tiger's fifth Masters Championship, putting him second all-time behind Jack Nicklaus's sixth and ahead of Arnold Palmer's four Masters wins. Tiger's 15 total majors wins puts him second all-time behind Jack Nicklaus's 18. Now, legendary golfer Jack Nicklaus tweeting, quote, a big well done from me to Tiger Woods. I'm so happy for him and for the game of golf. This is just fantastic. And President Trump urging people to watch on Twitter and to tune in to watch history, then tweeted, quote, congratulations to Tiger Woods, a truly great champion. Now, now Tiger Woods takes home $2,070,000, but he's not the only one going home with big money, Arthel. The man who bet $85,000 on Tiger Woods winning this Masters at 14 to 1 odds turned that wager into $1,190,000. Unbelievable. He bet a on the great day he, in golf. A great Incredible stuff, guys. Incredible stuff. And President Trump predicted last year that uh, Tiger would win another Masters and he'd be back to be being better than ever. So, you know, it's Trump can see the future on so many different things. Uh, I do want to welcome uh, doctor, award-winning speaker, professor, veteran, technology expert, best-selling author, and commissioner of Parks and Recreation for Maricopa County, Dr. Bob Branch. How are you, my friend? I'm doing fantastic, Rory. It's great to be on a Monday night, and I hope you had a great weekend. Thank you, sir. You as well. I also want to welcome to the show uh, popular talk show host, 2024 presidential candidate, activist, and best-selling author, Daryl Kane. How are you, my friend? I'm very good, brother. Leading in with sports. I like that. I better make sure I'm here next time my Patriots win the Super Bowl. We'll have a good show on that. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> there, I know there. our friend Kevin has <laughs> – do you see my uh, my comment? I said sorry about the Seahawks in uh, Super yeah, Bowl 49. Yeah, I, I know, know you're a big Seahawks fan, but – but you guys got a good one against the Broncos. You guys put a beating on them like I haven't seen probably uh, probably since the Bucks and the Raiders, actually. That was, that was a real blowout. But anyways, excited to be here and uh, looking forward to another fun show. Excellent, man. Well, good to have you here. And I also want to welcome uh, businessman, uh, Twitter master, activist, and political strategist, Bill Lambert. How are you, my friend? Good evening, Roy. Looking for a good show. Excellent. I also want to welcome to the show uh, director, political strategist, and activist, Gianni Rodriguez. How are you, my friend? Doing great, man. Glad to be on. Oh, great to have you here. Um, guys, I want to get into the, the story that everybody is talking about, and that is what Trump proposed over the – this was probably over the weekend, late last week, but he's basically saying, or you know, that – these sanctuary cities, you know, want these illegals, so why should other states that don't believe in this have to suffer? If the sanctuary cities want illegals, then it seems more than fair to drop them off in buses in these places. And, and now 
it's, it's hilarious because now you have all these liberals and all these people that were so uh, against, uh, you know, uh, for us, you know, telling families not to come across our border and allowing anybody we want into the country. But now they're like, oh, we have too many. We can't even take care of the ones we have. And it's just completely uh, backfiring on these people. And, you know, the way they the way they react and answer things, it's completely always the opposite of Trump. I mean, if Trump does something, they'll, they'll completely be opposed to whatever he says. You know, let's, let's not forget everybody. They were, they were cheerleaders for these illegals coming into our country undocumented. But now, now they're calling Trump a bully and, and, you know, saying stuff like it's an asinine move to bring these illegals into sanctuary cities. Why? You guys already have a, a, lot, a lot of them. You guys, you guys can have more. Totally a reasonable request. And quite frankly, I think it's fair. Because if, if people, you know, sanctuary cities don't want illegals. If, if, no, if sanctuary cities, you know, say that anybody's welcome, including illegals, they should be responsible. And all these states that have illegals there unwantedly, like they, 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 can, they should be able to do something and basically put a stop to it and say, we don't want them here. This is against our laws. Send them to California. So, you know, totally reasonable request. Let's play what the president said, and we will get everybody's comments after. Uh, one, four. Mr. President, yeah. can you tell us your plans about sanctuary cities and illegal Well, you know, the people that are putting sanctuary cities where they're not even wanted, because as you know, in California and other places, a lot of communities want to get out of sanctuary cities. They don't want them, but uh, they always seem to have open arms. So we thought rather than moving uh, the illegal immigrants uh, to other parts of the country, first of all, we're uh, we're getting them and we're doing the best we can with very bad laws. We have to change the laws. But we're apprehending uh, thousands and thousands of people a day. And the law only allows us to hold them, as you know, for 20 days because of the most ridiculous laws probably we have in this country. If uh, Ajit had laws like that for 5G, you wouldn't have anything built. You'd never have the first cell put up. But we have horrible, old-fashioned laws that are put in by the Democrats, we're willing to change and we can do it in, I used to say 45 minutes, we can do it in 15 minutes, whether it's catch and release or uh, chain migration or any of them. The asylum laws are absolutely insane. Uh, they come up, in many cases, they're rough gang members. In many cases, they're people with tremendous crime records, and they're given a statement to read by lawyers that stand there waiting for them. Read this statement. And it says, I have great fear for my life. I have great fear for being in my country, even though in some cases, some of these people are holding their country's flags and waving their country's flags. And then they talk about the fear they have of being in the country, that the flag they were waving freely. So uh, we are uh, looking at the possibility, strongly looking at it, to be honest with you. Uh, California, the governor wants to have uh, a lot of people coming in, refugees coming in. Uh, a lot of sanctuary cities, so we'll give them to the sanctuary cities maybe to take care of if that's the way they want it, because we can only hold them under the current law for 20 days. So we apprehend them by the thousands and thousands a day. I have to say, Border Patrol has been incredible. The job they're doing is incredible. 
the wall is going up. It's going up fairly rapidly. Uh, we're doing another big section. We start another big section tomorrow, but we're building miles and miles of wall. Uh, and we're going to have, I think we'll be close to 400 miles built by the end of next year. Uh, we need that. Uh, just got back from Texas, and some of the ranchers told me, you look at Brooks County, you look at other places, some of the ranchers told me your body's lying all over the land of people where the coyotes give them a can of soda, and they give them a sandwich, and they say Houston's 300 miles in that direction. And uh, the people don't know what that means. That means they can't make it. That means they have no chance, and they die. It's something I never heard. I never heard it to this extent. Many people die, and they'll say, just head in that direction. And uh, we, we are doing a lot about it. If we had the wall, we wouldn't have that. If we had the wall, people wouldn't be coming up. Mexico is now apprehending and bringing back to the various countries that we're talking about, Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador. They're bringing people back to those countries, Colombia to a certain extent, and they're going back to those countries. But uh, we could fix that in so fast if the Democrats would agree. But if they don't agree, we might as well do what they always say they want. We'll bring the illegal — really, you call them the illegals. I call them the illegals. They came across the border illegally. We'll bring them to sanctuary city areas and uh, let that particular area take care of it, whether it's a state or whatever it might be. California certainly is always saying, oh, we want more people, and they want more people in their sanctuary cities. Well, we'll give them more people. We can give them a lot. We can give them an unlimited supply. And let's see if they're so happy. They say we have open arms. They're always saying they have open arms. Let's see if they have open arms. Uh, the alternative is to uh, change the laws, and we can do it very, very quickly, very easily. Okay? Okay. Are you asking for more troops on the border as well? Yeah, we're going to put more troops on the border. Yeah, we're going to. And, you know, the thing is, our country is doing so well economically. We're setting records that a lot of people are coming up for that reason. A lot of people are coming up for bad reasons, too. We have a lot of very, very uh, bad people with big criminal records trying to get through. And the Border Patrol's done an incredible job with them. Those are our focus. They really have done a really incredible job. And when they have been through, and when they've been let through over the years, ICE all over Long Island, and they come and they get them, and they take them back, and we get them the hell out of here. Uh, that's uh, happening all over our country. ICE, but the job that ICE and that, that really Border Patrol does is uh, an incredible job. And law enforcement in this country is — the job they're doing is really incredible. You know, I don't know if you saw the crime stats, but these statistics are that crime is way down in our country over the last year, way, way down. And so that's despite all of the problems we have at the border. And we're straightening that out. So on sanctuary cities, as per your question, uh, we are giving very strong consideration to having people after a 20-day period, because, again, you're not allowed legally to hold them for more than that. We will move them into sanctuary cities. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. So there you have it, guys. Um, you know, I agree. I agree with the president. I mean, we, we need to do something. And, and even you have a lot of these people in these places that don't want sanctuary cities. So, I mean, you know, obviously the majority does in places like California, I would say, unfortunately, but it's because it, it's so liberal, but it's so 
oh, my God, the way this works. Seriously. Um, Dr. Branch, go ahead. Rory, first I want to say the Steeler Nation is also represented on this uh, panel. I just want to throw that out there for you Seahawks and you, uh, and, and you uh, Boston people. Uh, but, you know, what, what strikes me funny is when it's not their problem, they don't care. You look at the Hollywood elites now freaking out of this. You look at shares not in my backyard. Dr. Branch, you're cutting out. Oh, I'm I You're better, better, better. Okay. So you heard you heard share. Not in my backyard. This is the Hollywood elites. These are the people that at their award shows condemned Donald Trump by his treatment of the illegal aliens. Now he says, fine, we'll give you the illegal aliens. Instead of dumping them downtown Phoenix, where we don't want them, let's ship them out to Los Angeles. And Cher is just freaking out right now. And I think that that is just hilarious. That's hypocrisy. And I'm glad that he called her out on it. You have a, you have a great point. And it's, it just, it's, and you're right. When it's not their problem, you know, you don't really hear uh, anything from them. But when, when things start getting really hectic and they understand the severity of the problem, liberals, then they start flipping out. Um, it's like well, they have and, to learn the hard way she, on everything. And she said that, well, Los Angeles can't even take care of their own. Well, that's what we've been saying in Phoenix now for over a decade, and nobody is listening. So when Donald Trump, you know, when he was down here for the first time as candidate Trump, and he talked about building the wall – that's what we've been asking for for decades. And we were condemned by the Hollywood liberals. We were condemned by them. How insensitive. Now, when it's like, hey, well, good. What, last month, they've shipped over, what, almost 600,000 because they said 190,000 family units? You know, if you have a father, son, and a, and a child, that's almost 600,000 illegal aliens. Shipping downtown on ice in Phoenix, now you have, you know, Hollywood is saying, no, we don't want this. And when Cher said that, you know, all credibility went out the window. Not that she even had any, but. Yeah, I hear you. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, Daryl, go ahead. You know, I think it's a cute little um cute little idea, but I, I also, in, in this particular step, I, I don't really think that uh, promising Democrats and unlimited supply of brown people to pour into their cities um, is really that strong of a threat. Uh, I, I think that the premise that he assumes is that Democrats care about things like the standard of living and the quality of life in their cities. They, in fact, don't. Uh, you're, you're looking at this from a rational perspective, uh, but leftists are not rational. They're not concerned. I mean, places like Los Angeles, even San Francisco, uh, you know, places I, I've lived in both of those cities at different points in my life, and the standard of living is appalling in these cities. And the left is not concerned about that at all. What they're concerned about is the demographic and the cultural changes. So, um, yeah, there's a nice soundbite from the share tweet on this, but I, I don't really think that this is something to applaud. Uh, last week we were talking about towing the line on illegals in our country. And, you know, now we're talking about 
we're high-fiving each other because we're talking about shoveling them into cities that, uh, you know, are already rapidly being transformed. So this to me is, is uh, as I said, it's a, it's a cute moment. He gets a nice little tweet to play off of from Cher. But, uh, no, the thing to be doing here is to be sending the illegals back to their countries or getting them anywhere out of our country. So this, in one particular sense, I don't like this move uh, one bit. Um, and, yeah, I mean, we, we have to do something. I mean, you know, we, we really have to do something. I mean, this is just a terrible epidemic. Bill, go ahead. Yeah, well, we, you know, first off, we can't leave the Dallas Cowboys out of this conversation. But, um, <laughs> uh, you, you know, they, they've, they've said it's illegal. So, <laughs> they said it's illegal for them to, for what they've made illegal. But uh, I, I don't, I don't, I think here's, there's a little bit of a different dynamic here. Most of the jobs and, and, you know, there, I mean, there's, there's welfare programs and all that, but, but a lot of the, the illegals that come here do get jobs. And but California, New York, and those kind of areas really don't have those type of jobs that that can that create for they're they're filled by undereducated type individuals, which is has to do with labor and, and agriculture and all that. And you look at the breadbasket, which is the flyover states. So California and and New York have figured out there's a certain percentage that, that will stay in California. But the rest of them, the majority of them, are going to filter out into the nation. And I think what Trump's figured out is, is, is number one, I, I saw a tweet of his that said, you know, Twitter's so powerful I can make people tell the truth. But um, what he's figured out is, is that economically, they can't withstand that, and that 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 will it creates a a point of no return where they have to fix it then because they're their their economic system is set up on a certain percentage and if you quadruple that percentage there's not enough welfare in those two states to handle um you know the 100,000 a month so i i think it's a little more more dynamic in his thinking than than just a a photo op or or he's made them tell the the truth about what they re- and that's going to destroy a lot of 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 minority supporters for the Democratic Party because you got Cory Booker saying it's going to make it less safe for us. Well, you told us that they were old ladies and grandchildren and and little lost puppies. So, you know, how, you know, and you you keep telling us that it's, it makes the economy better. Well, then you'll have a booming economy, but that's really not the reality of it. Right, right. No, I hear you. Uh, Gianni, go ahead. Yeah, you know, it, this whole week has just been, like, so funny to me. I mean, just seeing Sher the Miss Dancing Queen over here, you know, in 2017, you know, she's talking about, oh, my gosh, if I have to accept illegals in, I will. If I have to help immigrants, then we all got to do it if we have room. And then now Trump calls her out on her fucking bluff and is like, all right, well, then we'll send her to L.A. then. I disagree with that, first of all. So I agree with one of the, the guests that said, hey, this is not a chance to applaud because I live in New York City, all right? So – that's horrible for me, and that's going to make it worse than it already is. Um, but it is funny how all the L.A. elite, and I like to call them the aristocrats. See, the same thing happened, um, I think it was in, in Britain. Um, the same thing happens all the time. I forgot the woman, the Thatcher woman. 
And she really goes into depth about why liberal elites are very aristocratic, you know, so they can talk about, you know, oh, care for the poor and do this and do that, as long as you're not in my backyard, as long as you're not in my neighborhood, which is why they oppose school choice, because if you have school choice, guess what? A bunch of educated black and uh, educated poor white kids are going to go to your school, and you don't want that. So what are you going to do? You want to create a division, and that's why they don't want school choice, and that's why they want these separations. That's why in Harvard, you know, white students were pushing for separate graduations. I mean, it's all aristocratic, and that's the whole point. It's nothing new, nothing new uh, uh, in Western civilization. This has always been here, and what's going to happen is I'm going to tell you this. You're going to see, especially in 2020, a lot of people tweeted, and they're going to see about all these people and like Cory Booker that was saying that this is inhumane to do this. People are going to see that, and they're going to leave the Democratic Party in droves. Not too much, but that's really going to help Trump in 2020, especially with him raising all these money, all the money that uh, Bernie Sanders and these people combined. I think it's going to be a really good thing for us in the long run. But I do disagree that he should not, uh, you know, send these people to these cities because if he does that he's pretty much going to defeat the purpose and it's going to lose a lot of support in these coastal areas that he has yeah yeah i mean you know it's there's so many different ways to look at this and you know the way the opposing party you know is just so stubborn and so uh oppositional and against everything that America stands for and they're they're you know they're the reason that we're in this mess but it's also the Republicans that have had so long to do something about it and they haven't you know this isn't really Trump's fault yeah. it's a, it's the rhino's fault it's so many yeah it's so many people it's so many uh people to blame for this and there's so many people that are are responsible cuz think about how for how long the Republicans owned the Senate and uh, Congress, and you know this should have been dealt with years ago. Trump had to come into a complete mess, man. It's just uh, it's, yeah. it's mind blowing. I'll tell you. Um, I want to go to. Uh, I know IQ has some thoughts. IQ, um, I want to introduce you as well. ISIS escapee, radical Islam expert, activist, and best-selling author. IQ Al Razuli. IQ, what are your thoughts, gentlemen? What I cannot really fathom is. Why would black and Hispanic American citizens support the insane liberal asylum laws of the Democrat Party, since these illegals will compete with them for jobs, benefits, health care, education, and residential costs that they will have to pay to take care of them? Logically, their support is not only irrational, but most assuredly self-destructive. It is obvious to me that an enormous number of Democrat supporters, not only among blacks and Hispanics, but even among the 70% of Jews who have been supporting this party for the last 100 years, are being thrown under the bus, defending two Muslims who are anti-American and anti-Jews. Can anybody enlighten me, please? Yeah, I, I, and we're going to get to we're going to get to the whole Omar thing, but you know it's. Yeah, I mean, you know, our country is a complete mess right now. Um, uh, Mike Peters in New York, go ahead. You know, I, I, I'm standing back and I'm looking at the, at the broader picture of this, and I see, I'm seeing Trump as 
not only getting his revenge on them, but also acting as an instructor and teaching these liberals a lesson, something that no one has been able to do. And it's taking time and it's, it takes repeated lessons for them to get it. And many of them are starting to get it. And they're showing how much hypocrites they are. They, they have never been able to understand that there's, there, there's accountability back on the table. Accountability didn't exist before. They, they were allowed in the past to say whatever, do whatever they wanted. They weren't held accountable. They could get away with it. They could insult, they could hold bloody heads in, on television and in pictures and get away with whatever. Well, there's a price. And when you come out and you start with, we have to take care of the illegals. Oh, my. You're going to move them in my neighborhood? Well, you're the one that said you wanted to do it. Well, you know what our liberal answer will be? We're going to go to the federal government and say, you're going to give us the money. No, the federal government's not going to give you the money to do it now. Now, you wanted them. You loved them. You passed legislation trying to bar ICE, not work with ICE, and, and that you were going to protect them. Now you pay the price, and you put them in your backyard. Now, all of a sudden, they're coming forward to you. Holy shit. We weren't ready for that. Yeah, this guy's not playing. It's called accountability. You open your mouth. You play the game. You pass these sanctuary laws. Here's the bill. Now pay the bill. And eventually, little by little, behind the scenes, they're going to realize if you open up your mouth and you say something stupid, this administration is going to jam it in both orifices you have available. So I'm backing Trump. I think it's outstanding. It's a great lesson. And hopefully at the end, he has some sort of certificate that he can present to all of these sanctuary mayors and, and states for having learned the yeah. lesson. I, I back him. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. And it's, it's one of those things where um, <clears throat> the fact that we're in this kind of place, uh, you know, at, at this point in our history is appalling and it's disgraceful. I mean, you know, it's, it's as anti-American uh, as it gets. Uh, you know, I, I, I just – some of the things I see these days just blows my mind, I'll tell you, everybody. Uh, we'll be right back. I want to take a quick commercial, and then we're going to be right back with our guest, the uh, largest bump stocks company in the United States, the owner. We're excited. Uh, Roy Sauter Show, everybody. Stay tuned. Where can you find a burger inspired by flavors from near and far that mixes the smoky with the sass of the South? Combines the sweetness of summer with the tang of the country for savory, sizzling, unexpected flavors. Well, you can find it at McDonald's. The new Bacon Smokehouse Burger. It's the newest flavor of the signature crafted recipes by McDonald's. Is video a part of your strategy for 2019? Hi, I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, your remote video production specialist. Using equipment you already own, I help you deliver high-value videos to your audience. From interviews and demonstrations to online meetings and trainings, I work with you to shape your stories and subjects that demonstrate your subject matter expertise. If you're a product specialist, sales executive, or business owner, we make video production simple and affordable. We do this so that you can make videos on a regular basis, whether it's daily, weekly, or monthly, to communicate about the topics and discussions that are important to you, your audience, and your business. To make your videos, we use HD video conferencing that allows you and your guests to connect to our studio from your home or office using your laptop, phone, or tablet. Once you and your guests have connected to our studio, we do all the rest. We take care of the TV graphics, the intro videos, the outro videos, the music, the behind the scenes production. Everything that it takes to either live stream or locally record your video for post-production editing to social media, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it. 
If you're tired of seeing the empty balloon commercials that are being made by your competition's social media experts, give me a call. I work directly with you, the subject matter expert, to help shape your story and ideas in a professional and polished manner via video. If you're ready to take a deep dive on your expertise and showcase the essence of your business via video, give me a call or connect with me online. I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, the remote video production specialist, the doer's resource for online video production. And we are back, coast-to-coast, worldwide, the Rory Sauter Show, listened to in 22 different countries, on over 60 online platforms. We have a huge show for you tonight, ladies and gentlemen, and just want to mention a quick fact about the last segment, some things I didn't get in there, a few facts. Um, this is sick stuff. There, every illegal alien will cost Americans around 70000 over their lifetime. Think about that. About seventy thousand in tax in your tax in your tax paying, uh, you know, it goes towards. I mean, that's just that's ridiculous. Um, I, the fact that we're responsible for second class citizens, <laughs> so gross. Um, and another fact I forgot to mention: over ten thousand illegal aliens are in the U.S. from terrorist sponsored countries. Very dangerous stuff. Um, I also uh, want I want to welcome right now. Uh, very special guest, very popular guy, doing big things, uh, gun activist, lobbyist, and, and the owner of the largest bumps, bump stocks company in the United States, Mike Stewart. How are you, my friend? Good, and uh, thanks for having me on tonight, Rory. Well, yeah, it's great to have you here, your first time on the show. Um, since it's your first time on the show, I always like to, you know, get your backstory, how it all started for you, your success, all the various chapters, you know, that sort of thing, and, you know, just uh, – Everything you've been through, it sounds like a lot, man. Yeah, well, it uh, it actually started about a year ago. Me and my business partner decided to uh, start a firearms accessories company. We're uh, both veterans. Uh, I was in the military. I mean, the Army. He was in the Marines. Um, so we decided that we, we both enjoy Second Amendment and shooting, so we decided to branch off, start our own company, um, live the American dream, as they say. And and just trying to step out and kind of bring different things, different technologies, innovations to the firearm industry and, and uh, see what we can do in this economy with it. And so we started RW Arms and um, bought a bunch of bump stocks, um, became the largest retailer for them and distributor. And as on recent news, you know what happened from there. Yes. Yes. And yeah, talk, talk about that a little bit. Obviously you guys have, faced quite a bit of backlash, right? And, you know, different challenges. Obviously, this took a huge, uh, you know, uh, this was a huge hit on you and a, a huge burden when when they, um, you know, came after you and, and banned the bump stocks, right? Right, right. Yeah, it was, uh, we figured it up being about 40% of our company um, is what our bump stock sales were. Now, and like I mentioned previously, we're um, a very, very small company, and we're 100% military veteran, uh, owned and run. And when you take away companies, 40% of their company, it's 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 a big blow to anybody. But um, so I need to step back. You know, um, bump stocks been around for 10, 11 years, um, and what it essentially does is uh, bump firing is where you use the inertia and recoil of the rifle to be able to help you pull the trigger faster. Um, people have been doing this for ages, using their belt loops, um, rubber bands, 
uh, I mean, all kinds of objects, but what the bump stock came out and did is now allowed you to do that in a safe manner. Um, <clears throat> and then the untragic, I mean, the tragic, tragic event happened in Vegas where the bump stocks were there. And now Trump, without legislation, uh, has came out and said, you know, we are going to change the rule. And the rule being that these were legal through the ATF, which the ATF um, <clears throat> classified them several times to say they were legal without legislation, changing the rules. And essentially making um, legal gun owners overnight uh, felons if they didn't turn in their bump stock or destroy them. And not only that, if they didn't turn them in or destroy them, or if they did, they weren't going to get any compensation for it. Wow. Jesus. So what what event, what, you know, circumstance really uh, made this all happen with the, with the banning of bump stocks? Was it the Vegas shooting? The, yeah, when, it really, when, they really out, when they really went after it? Yeah, it was the Vegas shooting is what started started. I mean, like I said, the bump stocks have been around for 10, 11 years and um, I mean, not really widely known. Um, <clears throat> the Vegas thing happened and that's when the uh, the political pressure came down for the ATF to go against their own words several times and change it to make this and basically essentially what they did is they made a plastic stock that has no mechanical parts to it. It's simply a stock that slides back and forth on a rifle. Nothing mechanical. But they have now got it turned around to where they classify this plastic stock a machine gun and where it's now illegal to own. So, so what, what, is, what is the alternative? I mean, what, what is, you know, what's, what is a way around this? Are you lobbying, trying to put something together to present to uh, D.C. to try to, you know, get this, you know, back on track a little bit and kind of, is there, is there different ways around it to, to make this, uh, you know, come back at least and, and not be, you know, gone forever, the bump stock? Well, right. Like I said before, bump fire has always been around, bump firing. You, just because they took a stock away didn't change that you can still bump fire. People have been doing this for ages with their belt loop, with a rubber band, with a broom handle. Um, if you're good enough, you can do it with just your finger and pushing it forward and using the recoil of the rifle itself. They did not take away bump firing. All they did was take away a bump stock, which allows you to bump fire safely. But they didn't change anything to the rifle. Uh, it still can be done. Now, Gun Owners of America and Fire, Firearms uh, Policy Coalition, the two great groups out there still fighting this and in, in the courts trying to um, get it overturned because obviously it's an overreach of the Second Amendment. And then we're also fighting it on the Second Amendment and the Fifth Amendment side of it because not only did we have to destroy over 73,000 bump stocks, but they also took them away and destroyed them and, and not given us any compensation for it, nor any of the people that have bought these legally, and all of a sudden they're not legal, destroy them, take them away, and you're not getting any compensation for those either. How much were you making uh, off of these, if you don't mind? I mean, how much... Uh, obviously, it was forty percent of your business, but it sounds very lucrative. I mean, what were you guys doing in sales? Well, I mean, it went ebbs and flows, but I mean, uh, the we were selling different models of this, the bump stock. Some which started at two hundred dollars all the way up to six hundred dollars. So, you could imagine sales 
Um, <clears throat> we're good at times and slow at other, just like the rest of the industry. But um, it, like I said, 40% of anybody's company hurts, though. Right. And you know what I've always said is that shall not infringe upon, you know, what, what it says in the Second Amendment. Uh, you know, what it says in the Constitution about our Second Amendment, you know, when, when, and I've said this forever, when the left goes after, you know, for instance, bump stocks, this is how gun mm-hmm. control, it, this is how it starts. They take a little bit, mm-hmm. and then they want to go more and more. So this is, this is not even about bump stocks being dangerous, because anything it, it can be used uh, as a, as a weapon to to hurt somebody, and we all know the whole bump stock thing is purely political. Uh, and you know, the left obviously made a lot of hysteria and a lot of drama about it. Um, like you said, yeah. after the Vegas shooting and after various incidences, but it's one of those things where it, it none of it should be touched because you know it, well, it's just. You know what I mean? I mean, it shall not infringe upon. I mean, I think that's, you know, the, the words, uh, you know, say it clearly. Your thoughts? Yeah, exactly. And also, again, that plastic stock, that gun didn't kill anybody without the the idiot, the crazed man behind it. But we're not talking about the individual that actually pulled the trigger that did the heinous act. We're talking about a tool that he used when he easily could have used a vehicle to do the same thing. Uh, Timmy McVeigh blew up the building. We're not talking about the car he used. We're talking about Timothy McVeigh. But when it comes to guns and the Second Amendment, they automatically target the tool and not the person. And, and let, let's face the facts here. The fact that, you know, with bump stocks, it, it, it's one of those things where people want to say, oh, well, why do you need bump stocks? Why do you need something like that? And my mindset and reaction always is, why is it anybody's damn business what somebody owns? It's like that, that mentality from the left is disgraceful. And, and this, this, all this, you know, uh, it's just it's so much unnecessary drama. I can't stand it. Um, well, that, Gianni, go ahead. Slippery slope. Oh, it is. no, I, I hear I, you. I've been uh, just, yeah. Oh, no, go, go, go ahead. The, Continue. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, this is a slippery slope. And, and I understand even people on the right that, that are two A uh, defenders that say that hey I I don't like bump stocks well that's fine if, if bump stocks are not for everybody uh, you know I mean everybody has a different thing that they uh, do in the shooting industry but I, if bump stocks aren't for you that's fine but you still need to realize that without legislation they changed the rule and made these illegal so what's going to stop them from going after something next especially when the Democrats get in trouble or something like that what are they going to say well they've done this before. Why can't we attack more on the Second Amendment? Because we've given them an inch. Now they're going to take a mile. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's, that's what it is, and it's, you're absolutely right, and that's what I say all the time. You give them an inch, they'll take a mile. Uh, Gianni, go ahead, in New York. Gianni. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much uh, moderate when it comes to the whole gun rights thing. I do believe that, you know, uh, AR-15s and things of that nature, Armalite rifles, should not be outlawed. But I, I kind of was a fan of the bone stock ban, and I'll tell you why. It's just, it, it could, I mean, watching these shootings when it comes to, like, Vegas and other things, it's like that could have, the guy bought it legal. It wasn't like he got it off the street. I mean, which, yes, that would somehow push things underground, but he bought it legally, and 
we saw that he were, he was he was able to shoot so many people, you know, in a short span of time. And it's just like banning bump socks is really the only thing that we could see that was some kind of progress because people are now saying that, you know, some people on the right are saying that we don't need tougher, uh, you know, background searches and things of that nature. Like we have to do something about these people getting these guns legally because it doesn't take anything for me to go, let's say I go buy a, a rifle or something. I can go do that, and then if I want to go to Burger King right now and shoot somebody up, I can. Nobody's going to stop me. So for me, it's just like, what is – okay, I will, I'm willing to have an open ear. I agree with banning bump stop because I believe there's nobody should need, you know, the, a way to shoot rifles or military rifles and things of that nature and make it a military rifle. I know it's not, it, it's not a military rifle, but it caused it to act like a machine gun where you could just shoot at a quick, uh, a quick speed. And it's just like nobody should be able to do that in America today. I, I believe it's ridiculous. Um, but I am willing to have an open ear, and I'm willing to learn from someone that's an expert on bump stocks. And I just want to see, number one, why do we need you – know, what's the point of needing bump stocks, you know? Um, and number two – I would say, what can we do to stop these knuckleheads from, you know, getting all these crazy guns and just going and shooting people up? I mean, it's ridiculous. Okay. Um, well, I, mean, I would also say that, again, bump stocks uh, uh, are, are going away, but bump firing has not. You can still bump fire with a belt loop, a rubber band, a broom handle, anything. Bump stocks only made it safer to do it. So – the rifle is still going to be able to debunk fire. Unfortunately, that's, that's, that's part of it. Um, why do we need it? Well, don't say you really need it, but it's fun. It's a different way to enjoy your 2A freedoms is to go out there and shoot fast. It's the same thing as taking a 22 out and going plinking. Um, <clears throat> so, but, but again, the point is that bump firing hasn't gone away. It's, it still can be done. Dr. Branch, go ahead. Well, first off, I want to thank you for your service. Uh, I'm a a veteran, a father. Uh, That's just a ridiculous. Can can you hear me? I I have no clue what's happening tonight, Rory. I apologize. Listen, but first of all, thank you for your service. I'm sorry that this has hurt your business. Uh, you know, to me, uh, you know, I hear Giambi, we hear that a lot, um, you know, and, and the thing is, is when I hear this as a veteran and as a person that shoots all the time, actually this, you being on tonight is very fortuitous because I just spent all week on, on top of Mount Humphreys here in Flagstaff camping out. We had our guns up there. Uh, I knew that you were going to be on the show. Rory told me, and so we, 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 took and we seen how quickly we could unload a clip uh, mm-hmm. from my AR and how quickly I could do it with my Glock 22. And to me, uh, the, 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 the concept of nobody should be able to shoot that quickly is, is a, re- a ridiculous concept. Nobody should be allowed to kill. Nobody should be allowed to shoot into a mass crowd. That's the concept. Now, you know, and, and you, know, uh, you know, about bump shooting, you know, we all knew it. We've seen it at firing ranges for, you know, well, well decades. 
you know, and mm-hmm. also, you know, people timing themselves. And to me, right. you know, the, at at the very at the very most that should have been done is to treat it as, you know, a, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, for instance, like a silencer. A silencer still can be produced. You just have to have a license to do it. And right. but to completely ban it, to completely ruin your company, to me, I think that it was on called for uh, as a knee-jerk reaction, and it did not solve a problem. I mean, it just did not solve anything except destroy a company, a veteran-owned company, and an American company. And, you know, to hear that you destroyed 72,000 of them, my gosh, man. You know, uh, know, I I don't know if there's any other country in this world that that would be legal to sell, but your company should still be able to produce it and sell it, you know, just as – Colt can produce a fully automatic rifle to these days. So you right. should be able to still produce your, your, your bump stock, you know, and, and to me, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I think that, you know, I don't agree with Yambi because, you know, I, in under 10 seconds, I could put 15 rounds of my, just, you know, my Glock 22 in center mass. And just to say, well, it, 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 you know, and that's just me. That's not a, right. you know, a tool. And so to me, that's, it's a ridiculous concept to destroy an entire industry. Uh, at, at the very most, I think it should have been, you know, maybe a license, but I don't even agree with that because you see what happened out in California. And a friend of mine up there camping out this weekend, he just moved to San Diego, and he had to take his guns over there and get them modified. A couple of them were totally illegal to bring into California, we were talking about the judge, you know, the the pistol that will shoot the 410 slugs. Those are outlawed in California. And, you know, he told me his lawyer said they were outlawed because they're scary. Well, darn straight. I'll tell you what, if I point a, a, a judge at an individual and it's got 410 shells in it, I hope that I scare that individual because that's that's the whole goal, right? You don't want people breaking into your house. And so to me, you know, California always, you know, has these laws. California has always been progressive and destroying the Second Amendment. And to me, you know, I I don't agree with, you know, what has happened to your company. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you for your service also. And I just want to make it clear, this hurt our company. I mean, like I said, it took 40% away from our sales. But we aren't – we are veterans veterans, and we're not giving up. We're uh, we're still – um, carrying on with other tech leading technologies. We have uh, magazines and drums and hard chargers. We even have the uh, echo triggers that allow it's an alternative way of rapid firing. So, yes, it hurt us, and we hope it doesn't put us out. We're going to continue to try sell things and make this company run. Um, but you're right. Um, I agree with everything you said, I and mean, I appreciate that. Well, let us know what uh, we can do to, to, to promote your other stuff. I mean, yeah. that would be cool. Get get a hold of me on Twitter. I'd be happy to do that. I appreciate I, that. Thank you. Uh, Daryl, go ahead, Daryl. Well, yeah, I, I'd like to certainly thank your guest for his service and Dr. Branch as well. I was not aware of that, so thank you both for that. Uh, I'm in agreement, of course, with both of you that this is unjust. And uh, on the topic of gun violence, as your guest alluded to, uh, it's a two-part discussion. There is the the component of the weapon, and then there's the component of the individual. 
And one thing that Obama was very good at uh, was political opportunism, right? I mean, we had an Arab migrant shoot up a gay club in Florida, and within hours he was lecturing Christians and talking about mm-hmm. taking their guns away. And, you know, the conversation is always the same when there's one of these, uh, you know, one of these shootings. The conversation is, when are we going to take things seriously and take a look at our Second Amendment, right? And, and, and the conversation becomes the left saying, it's time to take away some guns, and the right says, no, it isn't. And what we need to be doing is we actually need to be going on the attack immediately. The question needs to be, uh, how far is this going to go before – how many children are going to have to be gunned down before you're going to take the breakdown of the family seriously, before you're going to take your garbage culture seriously, pornography seriously, and so on and so forth. What's it going to take for leftists to take a look at these things that they've been championing? Because that's the reality here, is that what we have is we have an epidemic of sick individuals that are not properly socialized because there's no family structure. The father has been removed from the household, and we have children that are plugged into video games playing these real-life simulation of World War II, and they've never even gone outside and thrown a football at their neighbor um, looking at pornography, and they have no idea how to hold hands with a member of the opposite sex. So, And then we have these perverts that come out of Hollywood, the Quentin Tarantinos that make what are essentially glorified uh, mimic snuff films, and they want to come out and lecture us about our Second Amendment. Rather than waiting for us to come for our guns, we need to go on the attack and go for the culture. So my advice to President Trump or anyone else in leadership is the next time that the conservative movement wants to make a concession on something, maybe some background checks or something, let's really make their head spin. Let's make it a bipartisan move. And let's say, you know what, we do take this seriously. So, so okay, we'll, so we'll do these background checks and add something to this and create some new hoops for gun owners. And then let's also do something like put some meaningful standards on Hollywood. Let's criminalize pornography. Let's pull the smut out of our culture. This is what the conservative movement used to do when these things happened. We used to go on the attack. Now we're on the defense. And that would be my message is that rather than defending the Second Amendment, we should be going after their First Amendment rights to go after all of the garbage and all of the complete disgusting culture that they've been ramming down our throats for the last 50 or 60 years. Well, well, well okay. great uh, points. Uh, IQ, IQ, go ahead. I agree with all of what I say. I agree completely. The freedom of the Americans has been in the amendments, second, first, third, all of them. What I have never found out, why hasn't the NRA pointed out that of all these mass murders committed in the United States of America, how many of them were committed by a member of the NRA? Why isn't this put as a foremost argument? Because responsible Americans do not go out and shoot mass murder. It is irresponsible, deranged human beings who do that. Guns don't kill. Knives don't kill. Trucks don't kill. Humans kill. It's obvious. It's the elephant filling the room, but everybody ignores it. That's my point. You're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, it's, I mean, it's very true that uh, these killings don't happen from NRA members. That's for damn sure. And we always see the left 
quickly to say that the NRA is a terrorist organization. I mean, it's, their talking points are so ridiculous, the left. Um, Bill, I, I, know you're, I know you're big on this, Bill. Uh, go ahead. Well, yeah. It's, well, I mean, it's also that, that most of the, the, the uh, um, a higher rate of murder happens in these liberally controlled areas that have the highest gun yeah, laws. Yeah, look at Chicago. It's, it's not the about, most strict gun control yeah, place in the United States. Chicago and, and, and California and, you know, and, and San Diego and, you know, so – but it's, it's not about gun control. You, you, can't, you can't make a law and that, that stops people that's – for, you know, some people are going to obey things like that, but but it, it's like he was talking about with the bump stock. You're going to use a rubber band, or you're going to get an inner tube or tire and cut it down to go around your wrist. Or you, there's, you know, it's like you can't ban knives because you'll be hammering a piece of steel into a knife. So it's it's about controlling people for their behavior. And if you use, it, it's a very simple thing. If you want to control gun violence. You are you rob a store, you get 25 years automatic with a gun. Doesn't matter if you shoot anybody or not. If you shoot somebody, you're looking at 50 years. You you have to put these the sentences to a point where it, they just go. This is not any way that we can take a chance in doing because you you it's they're just going to pick at these laws. What you know, it's like he was saying. What happens next year if Democrats get in control? Semi-automatics. You know, and what about, you know, compression then, or, or combustion? I mean, you're, we're going to go back to flintlocks, you know, I mean, so, and, and today's technology with plastic printers and, and all that. So you're, you're never going to control it. You shouldn't need to control it. You should be able to own any kind of weapon that you want to, you know, bar in a, you know, a Scud missile or something. But anything that you want, because it's, it's your behavior with it, it's, it's just like he said, it's a tool. It, it's not a weapon. You're the one that makes it a weapon. And, and you know, until my guns get out of my gun case and start shooting up people on their own, you know, it, it, it's not the gun, and it never will be. It's the person that, that holds the gun. You're absolutely right. Very, very well said. Um, I want to uh, – Mike, I want to go back to you. We have a few more minutes um, of, of you on, but uh, I want to ask you a few more things. So – what do you what do you have going on now? What are you working on? <clears throat> right now, like I said, we're continuing to uh, support the Gun Owners of America and the Firearms Policy Coalition with their fight and their lawsuits against the um, <clears throat> government on the Second Amendment overreach. And then we also have a lawsuit that we have filed um, uh, on the Fifth Amendment side for taking without just comp- compensation um, <clears throat> because, again, they – they were illegal, made illegal, and then taken away or destroyed. If you didn't do that, you're a felon. If you did do it, great, but you're still not getting compensated for what you bought legally. So we're going to continue to fight um, <clears throat> for the Fifth Amendment, also the Second Amendment, and supporting the other groups that have Second Amendment um, <clears throat> lawsuits out there also. Well said. Um, I want uh, Mike Peters in New York. I, I know you want to uh, chime in. I know you have yeah. to talk. Go ahead, buddy. Yeah, it's a pretty sore subject for me. Uh, gentlemen, thank you also, all of you on the show, for your service. But I'm very, very, very active with the Second Amendment community, and, and especially here in New York. I mean, uh, with the battle that we had with the SAFE Act, we're, we're outnumbered here. But So I feel your pain. Uh, I've been a gun collector. I've collected over 50 years. And uh, the SAFE Act turned many of us into into criminals, I mean, because of what we had. Luckily... After fighting with two of the assemblymen and before they passed 
that thing and really took power, took control with it. Um, they put in there that anything that was 50 years old that was exempt because they didn't know what to do because it affected so many collector's items. Uh, I was on the phone with the liaison for the state police between Governor Cuomo's office and the state police, and I told them I got four or five cases of Vickers ammo on canvas belts, 303, live, still sealed up from World War II. Do you really think that I'm going to take those canvas belts and cut them into 10-round strips to keep you happy? And he said, no, that's not our intent. That's not our intent at all. We're not going after the collectors. What does it say in your law that you're not going after the collectors? These laws are written by people that have no clue. They're driven by paranoia, and they're afraid of the, how, these gun, how the firearms function. That's what it comes down to. So, yes, they would love to either get rid of magically, get rid of all firearms, so they can't do that. They'd love to have us go back to muzzle loaders, But where they can't really do that, so let's attack the performance. Well, wait a minute, the AR-15, no, it's not military. The, I'll tell you, what, and I, I told you some of these anti-gunners, when I buy a car, when I buy a toaster, you do research to find out what the best engineering, what you can afford, and find something that was engineered, that was fantastic, that was well-designed and functions, reliable, and the government does the same thing with the Army. So I can't have something that functions and is reliable, a, a, a certain design, because the Army uses it. Or, well, this is too dependable. We can't have this in the street. That's an AR-15. It can kill people. Well, it functions. What about the M1 Garand? That functions. It's reliable if it's maintained and everything. And how many other firearms? They don't care. If I was with your company, I'd design a special trigger mechanism. I'd have it molded in pink plastic. And I'd put a sale thing with saying that it's a Bluetooth controlled by the liberals where they will decide each time you pull the trigger whether or not the firearm will fire. And you have to submit paperwork and forms where, you know, to get permission from the government when you're at the range, whether or not you'll be able to pull the trigger and the firearm will discharge a second or third time. This is what they want is ultimate control. Front grip, no, that gives you too much control. Pistol grip, you have control over the firearm. That's, we can't have that. They're out of their minds with paranoia. And, you, and your product fell right into that slot, and they're scared to death of it, you know. So, absolutely correct, 100% correct, and I agree with everything you just said. And and again, it, it's just them trying to attack and take every bit of the rights they can away, little by little, until they get what they want. And and we have to stand up against it because the Second Amendment was originally is put there so that we can protect ourselves from the government. Well, you'd sell a product like that. I'd buy one of those pink molded things, which would help your con- country, which would help us. Second Amendment. Uh, people also ridicule the liberals. Look at this thing now. They came up with a trigger mechanism that's Bluetooth control. There are idiots out there that would believe it existed. To us, it would be a joke. We'd be making fun of them. And I bet you saw a lot of them. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. Um, Mike, please, please tell everybody where they can find you, your your company. Yes, well, sir. Uh, I don't. Well, I know. Mike Peter Mike Stewart, the guest. Right. It's uh, rwarms.com, and you also can find us on uh, Facebook and Twitter at rwarms. And um, it, it was really great having you, man. I mean, great, great, great uh, interview. Very insightful. I'm really rooting for you guys. Um, and you know, I, I hope everything works out uh, and goes accordingly. You know, I, I'm I really well, I appreciate uh, you believe in. Yeah, I believe in everything yeah. you're doing, and uh, 
You guys, you guys are fantastic, and just uh, keep up the good fight. Again, appreciate you having me on. You, uh, you're great. Your, your listeners are very knowledgeable, and I appreciate them also. So um, we, we'll keep up the fight and uh, let everybody know how we're doing. Okay, perfect, man. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Great. We're going to go to commercial, and we'll be right back, everybody. Would you know what to do in the event of an active shooter, a terrorist attack, or an unforeseen altercation? Whether at home or in the workplace, Skyray Security can train you and your employees how to defuse a potential violent situation. Our goal at Skyray Security is to keep our clients safe. With our professional and experienced Israeli Defense Force trainers, we teach strategies for safety that may someday save lives. Sign up at SkyRaySecurity.com for our workplace violence prevention and training classes or call 240-888-0682. I'm Ray, and I quit smoking with Chantix. I tried cold turkey, I tried the patch, they didn't work for me. I didn't think anything was going to work for me until I tried Chantix. Chantix, along with support, helps you quit smoking. Chantix reduced my urge to smoke. I needed that to quit. When you try to quit smoking, with or without Chantix, you may have nicotine withdrawal symptoms. Some people had changes in behavior or thinking, aggression, hostility, agitation, depressed mood, or suicidal thoughts or actions with Chantix. Serious side effects may include seizures, new or worse heart or blood vessel problems, sleepwalking, or allergic and skin reactions, which can be life-threatening. Stop Chantix and get help right away if you have any of these. Tell your health care provider if you've had depression or other mental health problems. Decrease alcohol use while taking Chantix. Use caution when driving or operating machinery. The most common side effect is nausea. I can't tell you how good it feels to have smoke behind me. Talk to your doctor about Chantix. That is right. Ask your doctor today about Chantix. Congratulations to Ray Liotta once again on, on quitting smoking. Uh, welcome back, everybody. Rory Sodder Show, Coast to Coast Worldwide. On over 60 online platforms and on over and listened to in 22 different countries. Um, big stuff going on tonight. I want to get into our next thing. Um, Omar, this Muslim is driving me crazy. This woman is as evil as it gets. She's a terrorist. She's as radical as they come. There, this woman. Uh, the fact that she's serving in our political system is disgraceful. The fact that we came to this point in our in our society and in our in life, I mean, this is just it's mind blowing. I mean, you see what what her ideology did to us on 9/11. You see what they've done time and time again with horrific terrorist attacks. And what did Omar say the other day? When giving a speech and talking about 9-11, she referred to the situation as some people. Didn't give any sort of sympathy, any sort of, uh, you know, good vibes towards the, towards the families and friends of the victims that died. Totally disrespected them. Totally out of character. Uh, unethical as it gets. I mean, you can't even put into words how disgraceful this was. Let's play this clip, and then IQ, I'm going to go to you. Uh, one four. 
CARE was founded after 9-11 because they recognized that some people did something and that all of us were starting to lose access to our civil liberties. I hear this woman is a witch. I mean, what, what are your thoughts? You've been following this really closely and all of her crazy antics. Go ahead. First of all, with all due respect, never call a Muslim a radical. There is no such thing as a radical Muslim. There is no such thing as a militant, moderate, or extremist Muslim. A Muslim is a Muslim. She is Sharia compliant. Sharia compliant means she follows the Quran and Muhammad's Sunnah. Sunnah means the traditions about Muhammad. She cannot ever be a loyal citizen. No Muslim. I know it sounds outrageous to politically correct them with who never read the Quran. No Muslim, and I repeat it again, it is impossible for any Muslim to be both a good Muslim and a loyal citizen among non-Muslims, kuffar, unbelievers. And I said it before also on your show. I am willing to wager $200,000 that there is not a single human being who can prove what I have just said as either wrong or untrue. She is not evil. Muslims are not born evil. Islam is evil. The Quran is evil. There is no love in the whole of the Quran. You cannot find the word love in the whole of the Quran of 6,236 verses and 70,000 words. Love does not exist. It's only hate and war. She should never be in Congress. But what's happening, and this is the most remarkable thing, the Democrats are rounding, sorry, circling the wagons, protecting two Muslim women against 70% of Jews who have been supporting the Democrats for the last 100 years. They're throwing the Jews under the bus to protect two anti-American Muslims. By the way, they are not only anti-Jews. The Quran is not anti-Jews only. The Quran is anti-every single human being who is not a Muslim. That means 80% of current humanity. That means against Christians, Buddhists, Hindus, Zoroastrians, Jews, atheists, and so on. Back to you, sir. Well, I you, you bring up a great point, and, you know, you're absolutely right. And, and let's face the fact that, you know, it's not about bigotry. It's not about being hateful when we say Muslims can't function in our American society. It's the truth, because anybody that picks up that, the Koran and follows any ideology out of there is pure evil. There's no getting around it. It's not about being you know, Islamophobic. It's not about being any of that stuff. It's just about the truth. And a lot of people can't handle the truth. you agree? Of course I agree, because the facts are speaking for themselves. Out of three, I said it again on your show. Out of 338 million Americans, not one, not one in Congress, that means not one in the Senate and not one in the House, stood up and said, but you are a traitor. You cannot be loyal 
to the American people who are not Muslims, and you cannot be loyal to the American Constitution because the American Constitution is man-made, not from Allah Sharia, not one single human being. And as you say, this is not racism. We're dealing with facts, and the $200,000 is not a gimmick. I don't use money for a gimmick. I'm proving a point. No human being can go against me and debate me this subject and wins. Sounds outrageous. Okay, maybe I'm a hot air balloon, so pinprick it. Bring it crashing down to earth. Can anybody do it? No. I have challenged CARE in public. I have challenged ISNA, the Islamic Society of North America, to debate me. Not a single imam, not a single scholar of Islam, not a single anybody has come against me. Back to you, sir. And, I mean, look at, look at the report out the other day. I mean, we have all of these people coming in from the middle. Well, we have – it was a study that said 10,000 people, 10, people uh, that are coming in illegally through the southern border are from terrorist, terrorist countries. So uh, this is just scary stuff how – it just it keeps the epidemic. I mean, people getting into this country. Uh, Gianni, go ahead. Yeah, you know, I would kind of push back. I mean, I, I respect your, uh, your your guess, and you know, he's a very you know, I agree with a lot of the stuff he says. But I have friends that you know are Muslim, and they're good people. I have a friend actually that runs the YouTube page Operation Cold Front. It's a very he's extreme conservative, by the way. And he's a devout Muslim also. So, I mean, to say that there are no good Muslims and things of that nature to me is very – is what caused the shooting in New Zealand. Because I think it's things like that which caused the, the man to say, oh, there's no good Muslims. And he's hearing all this rhetoric, and he's like, all right, well, maybe I'll just go kill all of them. And, the, and that's why I said we have to be – especially as conservatives and Republicans, we have to be careful that we don't go too – extreme because remember it was one time where christians were around the world killing and pillaging people and 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 taking up slaves and things of that nature so we shouldn't um i feel like thumb our nose at another religion just because we disagree with it sure i agree that there is radical islamic terrorism i'm not going to be politically correct about that yes there's a lot of uh, uh, um, um, islamic teachings that are trying to bring down western civilization i would agree with that but what I don't agree with is to say that there are zero good Muslims and that you can't be Muslim and American and Christian at the same time. Because, like I said, living in New York City, you know, I got a lot of friends that are – I got a lot of friends that are uh, uh, Muslim, and they're very good people, and they treat me with respect. Them with respect. And, you know, and that's, just, that's just my belief. And the part about love being in the Quran, I actually do see a few words in there that talk about love. I mean, but I don't. It, sometimes it's negative, and sometimes it's positive. So I would push back on that perspective. Uh, let Let's go to Doctor Branch. Doctor Branch, go ahead. I appreciate what everybody's saying. I I, I want to get back to Omar. Omar, two hundred and seventy thousand people voted for her. Freshman congressman, she becomes the Democrat. Progressive Caucus whip. How does she get that power as a freshman congressman? Pelosi, everybody that's running for president on the Democrat side that's in Congress is in that caucus. How did she get that power? 
Now, she just didn't talk bad about 9-11. Remember when she compared the United States to ISIS. And to me, yep. this is an alarming thing. It, 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 I'm not saying the Muslim part. I am saying Omar, the belief, and now the backing by all of these candidates coming out and, and just backing her. And to me, that is that that is, and I said this before on your show. That's the canary in the coal mine. If we're not paying attention, you know, and I'll tell you what, uh, you know, game over. Because right now we have to really pay attention to that, and it's not it it's not a fluke. And how you know it's not a fluke? Because when she got into Congress, they put her in power, and whip is a powerful position with inside a caucus. And the Progressive Caucus and the Democrat is the largest caucus in the uh, in, in now the House, and to me that's alarming. I, I hear you, uh, Mike Peters. Mike Peters in New York. Go ahead, guys. You know something? I mean, uh, I'm as many of you know, I'm Greek American, Greek heritage. I speak Greek, and uh, it makes me think of. Back in 1922, there was an organization that was founded by the Greeks called the American Hellenic Educational Progressive Association, AHEPA. One of the main reasons it was founded because the Greek communities were under attack by the KKK and many other groups here in America, um, saying because, well, they don't fit in, you're aliens, all this and that, and they were under attack. And this group was founded to help promote um, education of what the Greek community was and get the Greeks active in the community and actually become part of American society. And I don't see it with the, I see care. Now this thing that just happened with Notre Dame, God help us all. I mean, that was a tragic, that was a tragedy for the world. What is yeah. the only country that I've seen? I've been monitoring it. I've been monitoring it. What was the only thing that retard er- Erdogan from uh, Turkey? Well, now the Greek in me comes out that retard comes out and says, but at least I give him credit for that. We, they stand in solidarity with the, the, the people of France, and that this was a sad event and everything. Where are the other Muslim countries? Whenever an event happens, I don't want to hear, well, just one group raised money for donating. Where are all the other groups? Where are the Shias? Where are all the other factions and the other groups of Islam coming out and, and banding together and coming in the streets, condemning some of these acts? You don't see them. So wait a minute. You're standing by. Why? They're afraid. Because of apathy? They're afraid to come forward and stand up? No, instead we see smiling faces. And we saw that here in New York during 9-11. I don't care what anybody says. I was feeding troops, and I was talking to some FBI agents that were down there and saw it. So the media tries to play that off. They were dancing in the streets. And then they wonder why they're being targeted and why we have a bad opinion of them. When 9-11 happened, close to me was a gas station owned by Mohammed. Yeah, he looks like, I mean, you put an AK in his hand, and he's ready to go, man. He looks like it. And I'm talking with him, and, and he, he said, Mike, you know, I'm Muslim. I said, I know. I'm obviously. He said, yeah, but but I own two businesses. I married an American lady. I've got American kids. I'm part of American society, and the religion and everything worked for me when I was in the village with the sheep and the goats, but not here. It doesn't work here. I'm an American, and this was a tragedy. This shouldn't have happened. And instead of seeing the people stand up and say, these people, these, these fools are doing it in the name of their religion or their warped version of the religion, they're not in the streets. I don't see enough of them standing up for it. So they are going to accept the blame collectively. 
And it's a shame, but they do. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, let's go to Bill. Bill, go ahead. Well, the, you have to. I want to go back to Omar for a second. She qualified that statement of somebody did something by by talking about Muslims were being discriminated, and before that happened. And the only thing she, word she left out is and people did something, and then she went on. But IQ is is what what people don't understand. And IQ does, and, and I do too. Is is that the second coming, their version of it, or heaven on earth, or wherever you want to put it, can't happen until Islam controls the earth and everybody has submitted to Islam or been killed. That's the, that's the, the core foundation of it. And you have to understand, too, that, that Islam has a political branch, a political part of, of the ideology that allows them to lie and allows them to take oaths and to, to put this front on in the name of Allah in order to change these institutions in order to bring about that submission of, the, of non-Muslims. Ain't I right, yeah. IQ? Uh, hold on a second. I got to unmute IQ. I, IQ, respond. Go ahead. With all due respect to the first person who was talking about his friend being Muslim, I asked you to find out love. You said you found love in the Quran. That doesn't exist, so I don't know where you found it. I would love you to tell me which verse it was. Gianni, the Quran is made up in two parts. With all due respect, please, this is very important. The earlier revelations by Muhammad, so-called revelations, were in Mecca. They were conciliatory. The later, the revelations from Medina were aggressive. In the Quran, it tells you the later verses of the Quran abrogate, make a null and void all the earlier verses of the Quran. So if you found something which is uh, conciliatory, it doesn't exist. Why? Because the Medina verses overtake it. It is not hateful when I tell you that if somebody who is a Muslim, a Sharia-compliant Muslim, cannot ever be a loyal citizen, you have to prove me wrong based on the Quran, not on your sentiment, not your own emotions. It's got to be done based on the Quran. This is why ISIS quotes verses from the Quran. This is why the Al-Qaeda quoted verses from the Quran. They are the most rational Muslims in existence. Back to you, sir. Uh, Gianni, I'll let you respond. Go ahead. Yeah, so there's a there's a lot of scriptures. I need to I need to start looking them up right now. But there's a lot of scriptures where I remember where it talks about you know, um, the love them as they should love Allah, but those of you know faith are overflowing in their love, and that's in the that's in the Quran, you know. And a lot of things, um, I have the Quran with me actually. I need to go get it um, to turn to, to it. But there's a lot of scriptures in there, and like I said, there are some that talks about how their love for the world is bad. That is true. Yes, that is true. That it's a lot of that. But there are some things that talk about, you know, a love for God. So, yes, even as a Catholic, I would agree with that. Yes, I believe that. Hello? A little bit better, Kate. Well, a little better. A little better, yeah. Someone's breaking up. Hello? Can you, can you hear? I, you're breaking up. 
Hello? Yeah, it got it disconnected. Gianni will call right back in. It, it, there was something wrong with the phone connection. But Gianni, Definitely, there was something wrong with the line. Gianni, go, I mean, IQ, go ahead. You want to respond? Who, myself? Yeah. Rory, who are you talking to? Yeah, I was talking to you, IQ. Well, let me just quote one verse for, for the gentleman. At Toba chapter 9, verse 29. I have to quote it verbatim. It says, fight, qatilu, those who believe not in Allah nor the last day, nor hold that forbidden which has been forbidden by Allah and his apostle Muhammad, nor acknowledge the religion of truth, Islam, even if they are of the people of the book, Christians and Jews, until they pay the jizya and feel themselves humiliated. Now, could anybody with two brain cells of logic find a single item in this verse, and I'm quoting only one verse, to show any mercy and compassion towards non-believers? It doesn't exist. The Quran is completely clear. There are 106 verses in the Quran which incite every single Muslim to hate, undermine, plunder, butcher, rape, and enslave. The connection, the connection is breaking out. I don't know what's going on. Um, By the way, your voice is all garbled. Okay, I don't know what's going on. You know, it keeps breaking out. Um, let me see. Hold on a second. Can you hear now? I can hear you now, yes. Okay, yeah, keep going. Now, it sounds better now. I can hear you. I mean, the question I'm asking all the time from people who say that there are good Muslims. Yes, there are good Muslims, but these are not Sharia-compliant Muslims. Look, there are Jews who are Jews. They don't go to synagogue. There are Christians who go. They call themselves Christian, but they don't go to church. Or if they go to church, they go once or twice a year, like some Jews go once or twice a year also to synagogue. It doesn't make them less Jews or less Christians. What makes them good human beings is their good behavior. As the gentleman, yes. the last gentleman said, have you ever seen demonstrations by Muslims since 9-11 coming out in their hundreds of thousands or even tens of thousands or even thousands to say not in our name? Never. Never in Europe and never in America. And uh, they say afraid? Afraid of whom? They're in Europe. They're in America. They are a free country. So that these excuses are irrelevant to me. They are not important. What is important is, here you have a Muslima. Uh, Muslima, by the way, means a female Muslim, who wears the hijab, who is proud of Sharia. Uh, Rashida Tlaib is proud of Sharia. Uh, uh, Linda Sassour is Sharia compliant. She loves it. Sharia is in the basis of the American Constitution. What are we discussing? Splitting hairs? I don't split hairs. Back to you, sir. Now, Gianni, I'll let you respond. Yeah, Go ahead. Would, yeah, you know, so I, I would agree with that. I think uh, the Omar, you know, woman is disgusting, and she is uh, a big threat to Western civilization. I would agree with you there, absolutely. You know, but here's my thing. It's that, yes, there are Christians, there are Muslims, there are people in religion, like Christians, for example. There's a lot of stuff in the Bible we don't follow, you know, like 
you know, the Bible talks about how women, you know, shouldn't be wearing braiding their hair. Like, no one follows stuff like that. No one looks at that stuff as, you know, oh, that, that we have to do that in American society, you know, or don't even eat with the unbeliever. As the Bible said, don't even, a person that does not believe in God, you shouldn't even be eating with them, eating or drinking with them. Of course we don't follow that. So what I'm saying is Islam, when it comes to American society, we have the power over them. We tell them that, hey, your culture is going to have to assimilate to our culture. You can't change our culture. So if you come here as a Muslim, because I believe, honestly, I agree to your, to your point, is if it, the reason why we don't see a bunch of Islamic terrorism in America as it is in the Middle East is because of Western society, our rules, our values that say, listen, those values that you have, you can't bring them over here. Okay, now we see what's going on in Paris. I believe, honestly, me, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I believe some, uh, that was an Islamic attack on that church today. I believe that wholeheartedly. You know, but um, the thing is, over there in Paris, you know, they are assimilating to Islamic values and things of that nature and uh, placing no-go zones and all these things. So, yes, I agree that it is an issue, but I believe that there are things in the Quran where people just take it and that's the difference between a fundamental Muslim or a Muslim that just in the in the name of of Allah or religion. And there are scriptures in the um, Quran that talk about peace, you know, and things in that nature. So I, I believe that yes, you're right in one sense that Islamic or religion period to me all religion, you know, has some kind of detriment to the human race. All every single religion has one. But the thing is, is the reason why. Our uh, uh, founders came here is because they left the Church of England. The Church of England was burning people at a stake that was reading the Bible on their own. This is a Christian religion. They were doing all these things. So you know what? Our founders said, listen, let's get away from the Catholic Church and the Church of England, and let's start our own uh, country where anybody, everybody can come here and practice their religion as long as it goes through the Constitution, as long as it goes through, you know, our values and what we believe. So I believe that Islamic uh, terrorism, yes, we should be careful about electing any kind of Muslim in, 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 uh, in, in Congress. And we should be careful that we don't start saying, well, guess what? You can't say this because this might offend a Muslim. I believe that's BS. So, yeah, I agree that, yeah, it, 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 Islam is a religion of, is not a religion of peace, obviously. You know, but I'm not going to, you know, offend every Muslim as if they're uh, bad for being a Muslim. I mean, that's just my point. But everyone um, can I'll, I'll let you give a quick IQ, I'll let you give a quick response, and we got to move on. Go ahead. Very simple. Find a Muslim who does not offend a non-Muslim. Find one. The minute he believes in the Quran, he must believe in 106 offensive verses. As far as Islam is concerned... An infidel, that means somebody who is not a Muslim, is only a beast to be plundered, to be raped, to be enslaved, to be butchered, or to be uh, turned into submission. These things are not my words. These are the words of the Quran. Back to you. Uh, Daryl, Daryl, go ahead. Yeah, so uh, I certainly much of what IQ is saying, and I've not read the Quran, but these are concerns, and I, I've been made aware of on it, the, the, the portion about how the latter portions 
there's this, this thing in place where if I contradict myself, the thing I said five minutes ago doesn't matter. And the end of the book is substantially more aggressive than the beginning. Uh, the aspect of, I know I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, but Tequila or Tequivoa, uh, that you're, as, as one of your other guests alluded to, that you're actually encouraged to lie when you're uh, in the presence of, of the infidel. So there are aspects of Islam that are uniquely concerning uh, and that there's a, a, a very legitimate question about whether or not it's fundamentally compatible with, you know, with Western civilization. Uh, and, and of course, yeah, the, the question in, in IQ, what, what he presents is that, you know, if, if you are in fact, and maybe, and, and I think that's kind of the middle ground on this is that maybe there are some people walking around that are similar to cultural Christians uh, where they sort of identify as, as Muslims, but they haven't actually read the Quran, and they've been, uh, you know, somewhat uh, westernized, so to speak, quote unquote, that maybe haven't taken everything in it to heart. But if you have taken it to heart, uh, and again, having not read it myself, but the things that IQ is saying, and, and I take and I respect from him that he has the experience. And by by my understanding, he's the only person on the program that's actually read the Quran. So we're going to have to defer to his wisdom, and, and the things that he's saying are all consistent with with my understanding of it, that this is something that needs to be taken very seriously, uniquely in Western civilization. And I think it's important that we sort of recognize some historical context that religious liberty, uh, the founders were not envisioning a society of uh, pagans, Muslims, and uh, all sorts of different things, and Wiccans and Satanists. They were talking about different sects of Christianity. That was basically what they were envisioning. So let's, let's keep that in appropriate when we when we view that, what we have with, uh, you know, Miss Miss Omar, we have another one of these wonderful situations where the uh, the absurdity of leftism is sort of forced to deal with itself, which is that one of the groups that they advocate for is Muslims. Uh, but Muslims are inherently the most the least tolerant people on the planet. So, you know, they simultaneously champion gay rights and all of these types of things. And as we discussed a few weeks ago, uh, the, the appropriate method in Islamic countries to take the Koran seriously is to throw homosexuals off of buildings. So uh, this is one of those situations where now they're kind of having to deal with this awkward reality where they're championing this woman who is a, you know, an Islamic woman who's engaged now in Western politics, and she's stating the views of the Islamic people, which is death to Israel. And uh, you know, Israel also happens to be a group that they champion – so it's an awkward situation for them, and we're going to be seeing more of these types of things. Um, someone mentioned that Muslims were doing a great job assimilating into France. France is going to be voting in democratically Sharia law in about 20 to 30 years, perhaps even sooner, if the current uh, trajectory in that nation doesn't change. So, yeah, these are very serious topics. I will tell you that uh, I do have some friends that are Islamic and I've had I've had you know interactions with them and we agree a lot on social issues oddly enough but uh, but nevertheless there are uniquely concerning elements and, and IQ is is very right to point those out and to sound the alarm on that so I appreciate him doing that Mr IQ I appreciate you bringing that firsthand knowledge to this conversation very important and very sobering thank you sir thank you very well very well said we're gonna take a quick commercial and we'll be right back everybody. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from The Rory Sodder Show. Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? Do you have an app idea? Do you want to save money? Well, I got great news for you. My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else. 
and all of our work is the same amount of professionalism you'd see from any other company. Uh, please visit our website, getyourappbuilt.com, for your free consultation and contact us today. Thank you. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from The Rory Sodder Show. Please visit thedonaldjtrumpstore.com for all your authentic, customized, and creative President Trump apparel and merchandise. You won't find products like this anywhere else. And best part of all, it's made here right in the USA. Use Mega45 at checkout for 30% off your first purchase. Again, visit thedonaldjtrumpstore.com today for a wide variety of great selections. Thank you. And we are back, everybody. Coast to coast, worldwide, the Rory Sodder Show. Listen to in 22 different countries on over 60 online platforms. And everybody, if you missed past clips, past episodes, or need 24-7 breaking news coverage, please visit our media site, thenextgenusa.com. And don't forget that we will be announcing here in the coming weeks uh, the many notable names that will be having their own TV shows, TV shows on my network, radio and TV. So very exciting stuff. Um, I want to get into uh, a huge headline that was out today. Uh, the, Notre Dame, the Notre Dame Church, uh, Notre Dame, Notre Dame, everybody pronounces it, you know, their own way, but in, in France, uh, really scary situation. I mean, you know, I, I have different theories about this, and, and I think it's important that I share them, and I think some people will agree with me. You know, this, this church has been standing there for, I think, over 800 years or something, very long time. And we see the Islam epidemic uh, around the world and, and how it has gotten out of hand. And you see how this is one of the most holiest weeks uh, there is. I mean, it's, it's Easter, uh, you know, coming up. We just had Palm Sunday. So think about everything that, that Muslims, especially the ones that are involved with Islam, want to do. They, they want to take out all of, you know, Catholicism, Christianity, everything, you name it, they want to take out. They want, they want it demolished. And in France, we see the terrible epidemic and overcrowd of Muslims in this place. And we see how, you know, certain leaders like Macron and, and others have colluded with uh, Muslim entities. Usually it's because there's money involved. We know this. And obviously for the political agenda. So I'm not going to say for sure that this was a setup, but I think a lot of people are naive in situations like this. Like a lot of people would never think that this was orchestrated. But I think just the way it all transpired and how they were basically letting this building burn. I mean, there, there were a lot of things they could have done to put out the flame sooner. And it just seemed like a half-assed effort uh, by the rescue team and by the people that came in there to, to clean it up. So I, I have a lot of um, suspicious, uh, you know, theories. I, I think there's things that are attached to this that, uh, and, and too many people let, let this kind of stuff, uh, you know, go past them without really thinking uh, if this could have been something that was set up. Uh, I want to go to uh, Dr. Um, Branch, Dr. Branch, uh, go ahead. 
Well, I'll tell you what, I, you know, I, 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 I'm like you. Uh, we've seen this unfold before our eyes today. Uh, you know, it, it's not just a tragedy in France. Uh, that is a worldwide tragedy that happened. Now the questions have to come in. And I, I know that you're asking those questions. Many people are asking the same questions. First of all, what does it take? Is it, if this is not just a national treasure, but a worldwide treasure, that cathedral, housing some of Christianity's uh, most prized uh, relics, how people don't even respond to a fire in almost two hours. It just exactly. is mind-boggling to me. Is mind-boggling to me. So you know, I, 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 you know, people called me up. People have been talking to me. Well, you know, it just shows socialism for you. You know, we'll get there when we get there for the fire department. And you know, I, I don't know about that. But you know, I, nobody. I don't think anybody wants to hear that it was an act of terrorist. But I don't think that there's too many people that aren't keeping that on their back mind thinking it is so you know i don't want to hear it was an act of terrorist i've been all throughout europe i've been in many of these cathedrals uh they're old they're wooden uh you know they're amazing works of art uh but you know like you said you know there there has been too many acts of terrorism in uh and around that area especially catching old domos or old uh, uh, churches on fire, uh, you know, and that, that's been a, a modus operandus, and we've seen it now happening over the years just in Paris alone. And so, you know, I, I hope that it's not an act of terrorism. Uh, I don't want to hear it is, but, you know, I, I'm a bright enough man to to say, well, it just doesn't smell right. I mean, look how, just just the sheer fact on how long it took to get the fire department there to react to it. And it was a national treasure. Could you imagine the White House burning and somebody saying, we'll be there in a couple hours? You know, come on, man. (laughs) It just doesn't sound right. You're you're absolutely right. And, you know, we need questions answered, that's for sure. Uh, IQ, go ahead. I'll tell you one thing. Even if they find out it was an act of terror by Muslims, the government would not mention it. Because the governments in Europe have been literally hiding the facts for the last seven, ten years. Especially after Angela Merkel three, four years ago when she allowed one and a half million Muslims to come in. Every act of terror, whether rape, mass murder, whatever, they try to hide it under the carpet. The statistics are not mentioned. The names are not mentioned. So even if it were an act of terror, unless somebody within the government would come up with it, they would not mention it. But as the gentleman said, we don't know. I'm not going to put words in somebody else's mouth. I don't honestly know. But it's not impossible, because recently there have been many attacks on many churches in France specifically. Back to you, sir. No, no, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, Gianni, go ahead. Yeah, you know, I, it, 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 you know, as a Catholic, you know, it, it, it really hits home. I mean, for something, you know, especially of the beauty, you know, and majesty of uh, of that church, you know, it was very bad of that uh, cathedral. 
you know, but I would say I believe personally that it is, you know, radical Islamic terrorism. I mean, I, I, I don't know the facts yet, so I'm not going to go off on a limb and say that's what it is, but I believe that it has something to do with that. I mean, come on. This church has been here for 800 years. It's gone through many revitalizations and refurbishing and things of that nature. It just happened now on the holiest week, I mean, for, for you know, Christians and, uh, and, and Catholics, that the, the, the thing just burns. I mean, I have friends over there that's in Paris right now that said they were just there not too long ago. Uh, they're posting pictures on Facebook and all this other stuff. And then all of a sudden, this thing just happened. So I believe that that's bad. But we also... What a lot of people are not talking about is the 10 of the churches in just one week. I want you to think about this. Do people think that this is this just, you know, this is the, the thing that only happened once? No. The news even talks about how 10 of the churches were, was attacked over the last week. So, I mean, I want you to really think about that. 10 of the churches were burned with fire, and no one talks about it. This is all over the news. CNN and Fox News even talk, uh, talked about it also. And that shows me that there's something that's bigger than just, oh, you know, the one of the guys that were refurbishing the church made a mistake and the whole thing set on fire. Uh, you know, I, I just I have a hard time believing that. But like I said, 10 other churches this week were attacked by fire. So I want people to actually understand that and get that, and then that would actually add to the speculation that maybe this isn't just some mistake by a person that was, you know, refurbishing the church. Maybe this is something bigger as far as an attack on Western civilization. I think it's very sad. Yeah, very, very good point. Um, let's go to Bill. Yeah, well, the, I, I think it is a, a terror attack. And it's like you said, there, this, there's 10 other churches. That's not coincidence. That you, you, There's just, you know, you can't add up the dominoes that way and, and come up with five. So, and you have to understand that, that this, April 15th is not the ordinary date. April 15th, 1865, Lincoln died. April 15th, 1912, the Titanic sank. Those were, were worlds, you know, they're, they're embedded in our history. So I, I don't think that this date was just a, it just happened, because now you have April 15th, 2019, and the cathedral burned. So and I, I'm I'm like IQ. <clears throat> this is never going to see the light of day, and there there was only two chances for it to see the light of day, and that's from the French government, or even if they find that it's terrorism, they're going to cover it up because they're going through this Islamic change, and even if the this, the church goes in there and does an investigation, and finds it, they're not going to make that public either. So I I I think that it is. And again, I'm like you, Bonnie. I'm not going to say absolutely for sure, but you know, ten churches, and now this, and this week, and on this day, and you know, two and two usually add up to four. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're very, very well said, uh, Mike Peters. Let's go to Mike Peters. I I was thinking the same thing that everyone else. I mean, IQ and everyone that if they end up with the proof, unless it's so overwhelming that they can't hide it. They're going to try to hide it because they'll, they'll justify it by saying it's for the greater good. It's for public safety. Well, we don't, because look at after 9-11. Do you remember the articles that uh, there was one report of uh, taxi drivers in Texas that were Sikhs? They weren't even Muslims. 
but there were Sikhs and they were getting ripped out of their cabs and beaten up in the streets. If it comes out that this was a terrorist attack, I could see mosques being set on fire and people will be in the streets and will have enough. They'll be fed up enough. There'll be enough anger out there. Um, and if that happens, a, a lot of people are going to be killed or hurt. I mean, it's, it's tragic. I mean, that'll just compound the tragedy that's going on here. So I, I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see how they're going to play this. And um, let's see. Just keep our fingers crossed. Uh, Daryl, go ahead. This event is deeply tragic, and all of us in the body of Christ are united in our our sorrow today. Uh, yeah, we don't know yet, but I think as one of the one of the guests said, two plus two generally equals four. Um, as someone who just had my campaign rally at Arizona State canceled the day after the New Zealand shooting because I was told that it would incite violence against Muslims. Uh, I would certainly hope for a a solid response if that, in fact, turns out to be the case. And again, as your guest alluded to, I'm not holding my breath on that. So, uh, yeah, this is a this is a a deep, deep cultural and historical loss. And if, in fact, this is a a terror attack, as far as I'm concerned, it's it's tantamount to an act of war. So I take it very seriously. Uh, I did see some very beautiful images of some portions of the interior uh, that that remained in, in uh, quite pristine shape. I've heard that uh, the vast majority of the art and the historical and cultural relics were rescued. So I praise God for that. Uh, I am praying on this, and I, I, I ask all of us united in the body of Christ to do the same. Uh, and pray deeply, and I've talked about this before. We talk about where France is going, and what we don't talk about is the fact that there are still French patriots. You know, 32% or so of the people of France voted for Marine Le Pen. And while that wasn't enough to win that election, that still represents a sizable portion of people that care. And they are in a very, very uh, dangerous situation with these growing enclaves, these no-go zones, as was brought up earlier, as an example of Muslim assimilation into France, when it is, in fact, quite the opposite. Uh, we have people in France that uh, their country is very rapidly changing, and you're seeing the very darkest scenario that can happen in a leftist utopia, which is the retraction of the traditional male leadership being replaced by uh, a patriarchal tribe from the exterior geographically. And in that case, you're going to see that country become essentially run by radical Islamists. And that is a very scary situation uh, for the French patriots. And we have to be thinking about ways to provide them with relief as their continue, as their country, excuse me, continues to decline. And we also have to take this as a a warning call um, to fortify all of our cultural, religious uh, hallmarks and statues and buildings and all of these great places in Europe in these crumbling countries. We have to find ways to protect them because uh, one of the things about Islam, and this is not a uniquely Islamic thing, but and they are certainly one of the religions that's that's most well-known for absolutely just obliterating uh, beautiful art when they conquer a territory. So this is definitely a wake-up call, and uh, I'm glad that we're all, we're all taking it seriously. 
Well said, well said. Um, we are about out of time, so, Daryl, I'm going to go around to everybody, but please tell everybody where they can find you, Daryl. Yep, uh, DarylKane2024.com. I'm sending a shout-out to my Kane Crusaders. God bless you, Rory. I'll see you tomorrow evening. Go Patriots. All right, man. God bless you, too. Uh, uh, Dr. Branch, go ahead. Hey, thanks for having me back on. Look forward to being back on tomorrow night. And you can follow me on Twitter at Bob Branch. That's at B-O-B-B-R-A-N-C-H. Excellent. Uh, Gianni, go ahead, buddy. Yeah, you can find me at uh, on Facebook at Gianni uh, Rodriguez with a Z, Rodriguez with a Z, dash Paris with two R's. Excellent. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow, my friend. All right. Let's go to IQ. IQ, go ahead. Very simple. Just Google my name, El Rasuli, A-L-R-A-S-S-O-L-I, and have a lovely evening. You too, IQ. Thank you. Um, let's go to Bill. Bill, go ahead. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Super Elite Texan. Thanks, Roy. Excellent. And then let's go to Mike Peters. Go ahead. Hi, everybody. I'm just, I'm just Mike, just a friend of Rory's. I don't have a site or a Twitter or anything. I'm, I'm just glad to be here, and thank you again for inviting me, Rory. Absolutely, yeah. And they can find you on Facebook, right? Yeah, I'm on Facebook. Yep. Perfect. Mike Peters, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow, Mike. Thank you. I want to thank everybody uh, for tuning in tonight. It's uh, It's been a fantastic show. Uh, more great news out today. I, I want to talk about this for like 30 seconds before I take off. But it is now announced that CNN has sunk to 15th place. And Rachel Maddow's viewership is down double digits. I mean, this, if that's any indication, people, uh, people, everybody's waking up to the fake news. People know that it's BS, and people are turning off the liberal mainstream uh, brainwashing media. So uh, I love it. I mean, this is, that's great. What a great report. Um, and everybody, for the stuff I did not get to tonight, uh, I will definitely get to that tomorrow. Uh, I want to say real quick, President Trump, it was announced today that his reelection campaign has raised $30 million. That's more than all the Democratic candidates combined, everybody. So we are on a really good track uh, for 2020. Um, thanks to my guests. Thanks to my audience, my co-hosts and sponsors. Uh, you are all incredible. And, uh, you know, I, remember, you can find us on over 60 online platforms. We're listened to in 22 different countries. Uh, visit our media site, thenexgenusa.com for past articles, uh, episodes, and uh, different clips. So, uh, and also, we will have many shows with notable names that will be having their own programs on the site in the coming, in the coming weeks. So I will be announcing that, and I can't wait to share it with all of you. Uh, we'll see you all tomorrow night, everybody. I'm Rory Sauter. God bless. Cheers.